the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. One of the things I do at my seminars and webinars, and I don't do very many of them. I used to do more. Um, is I try to get you some enough education to to say, okay, that sticks with me, or that hits me nicely, or this is something I kind of understand. Um, it's just we're in this together, and we're trying to cut down on some mistakes. So one of the biggest mistakes that I see is... People understand why they buy something. They never understand when to sell something. Not never, but rarely. And, and they're too caught up in the price, and they want to be right. So they want to sell you know, X at 230 and not at 210. At 230, it would have been perfect, but at 210, I can't possibly, possibly come to, to grips with, with losing it to that. So I'll just wait for it to go back to 230. And that's just ignorant. There's a couple things um, when it comes time to sell that you should sell. And number one I just brought up was like, you just can't sell that winner. Have you ever had a dating relationship that just wasn't quite right, but it was better than nothing? It was, you know, at least you had someone to hang out with and and be with on Friday night. But you knew it wasn't going to go long term, but it was nice while it lasted. And, you know, she might have had some janky onion breath. And you're like... I don't think I saw her eat onions, but it was good enough. It was good enough. Same thing with, with stocks. You know, you have a winner like Apple. It may be the apple of your eye, but that may have been from 2012 or 2008. And you just can't sell that winner. I have a house that's gone up in, in value. And to me, it feels like it's been a winner to me. It's been nice to me and I just can't sell it. It's, it's like my puppy, Maisie the Wonder Dog. She passed away this year. And she really gave it 15 great years. But in the final week, she was just, she walked around and she's like, look at my hips. And I, I, she, of course she wasn't talking because if she was talking, then I would have you know, kept her alive as long as possible. I would run like life support kind of thing uh, because the talking dogs, woohoo, that's kind of a cool thing. But yeah, there comes a time when you just, she wasn't the dog that she used to be and she was ready to go. Sometimes stocks have to be thought of that way too. Then there's the reverse of that. The loser. And you can't just let go of a loser. Uh, one of my greatest bits, and I'll, I'll bring it in one day because I've been, I've been reluctant to bring in stuff from 15, 20 years ago. Um, just reluctant because I'm busy, nothing else. But um, this one woman had bought a company at $60 a share and I went to six. And when she called in, my producer played a, a vicious joke on her because after like two or three seconds, he could tell that she wasn't listening to me. So he just potted her down completely. So she wasn't listening to me at all. So she goes, uh, should I sell? I'm like, sell it. 
sell it, sell it, sell it, sell it, sell it. So she can't hear me go, uh, get rid of it, get rid of it. It's, it's worth nothing. It's going, it's going down like the Titanic and you're on it. Get rid of it. And she couldn't hear it. So it was really, really funny because she kept talking and she goes, so should I sell? So should I sell? And sometimes, yeah, you should get rid of the loser. And you know what? You're going to feel better about it. I know. I know you're saying, but this is my money. But yeah, your money was also with you in your pocket and it was warm when you went to the casino and you didn't cry about that a day later. Have some ideas on what your stock is going to do for you. This is a thing that I find people just aren't prepared for. So if you do have a stock that does exactly what you want it to, sell some. And if you have a stock that didn't do what you want it to, but you still believe in it, buy some more. So adjust your plans. So I've, for instance, a great example. I owned Intel for a lot of the 90s and early 2000s. And you know the best days to own Intel was a lot of the 90s and not necessarily the early 2000s. It's had a play. It's, it's, it's had a play. But so has Broadcom and Qualcomm. And just because I had one semiconductor, I had one chip. I had, you know the golden Dorito? The Dorito that has like the spoon at the end of it so you can totally pull the salsa and it's like, it's heaven. I had the golden Dorito in Intel. And I, I just kind of forgot, like, sometimes you can let them go and say, you know what? It's time for Broadcom or Qualcomm or maybe I sell half of my, my Intel. I didn't want to get too many semiconductors. I didn't want to start collecting semiconductors. I didn't want to like get into a situation where I, I didn't have a healthy portfolio. So I, I was maybe reluctant to change my plans. Another time to sell a stock is when you lose convictions in your convictions about the stock. So you lose confidence and you're basically just sticking with it just because you don't want to get off your butt and figure out what your password is and sell it. Or you don't want to talk to your broker and admit he made a mistake or you made a mistake. Oh, that happens. That happens. And another time I see people have real big problems with stocks is when they try to time the market. And I, I can honestly tell you that I don't know how to time the market. I, I, I look at technicals. I try to understand technicals. I try to work with technicals. But technicals have some shortcomings. And you have to acknowledge that, that if, if technicals were that easy, whoever's giving the technical advice would have a billion trillion dollars, right? So it, it, it's a way of differentiating yourself from other people. And I get it. You know, there's people in radio, like there was a guy named the Grease Man. He was like, and he's coming up with like this, this gibberish talk. And you're like, he must be good at radio. We must like him because he could do gibberish. And then, no, it's just because when he talks like this and he goes, well, later today, the reversal of the weather pattern is going to pull in cool weather. It doesn't sound as good as, as if you sound like a, you know, a spazzed out, hyped out, caffeine induced junkie. So, which for the record, I am one of those caffeine junkies at times. Um, having 25 basic principles of investing would help you understand why you invest even if you have like five or ten principles and this is where I, I go back to the forefathers and like i get it a penny saved is a penny earned i get it i get it i like writing stuff down like that like time and a healthy savings rate will solve almost any investment wounds so you have a bad year well you've got another 29 years to play with um but if you also throw in a lot of money in in the bad year during the market lows, you probably got a pretty good bargain. And you're going to look back in hindsight and go, those were the best years to invest when the market was down for two or three years. 
And we don't get a lot of those right now. And it upsets me because I'm better looking. I'm taller. I'm funnier. I'm sexier when the market's down. You're fab. You're switched on. You're a bit of all right. Yes. Your top two financial concerns, in my opinion, should be maxing out your 401k every year and and paying off your credit card balance every month. You do those two things, you're going to probably do okay. So your employer stock is probably the riskiest stock you own because all your eggs are in one basket. So let's say you own Facebook and Zuckerberg's your king CEO, uh, wise leader. And let's just say he goes crazy one day and he gets on the clock tower in Stanford and he starts shooting rubber gun darts at people. Like, that would be a problem. CNBC, we got breaking news. We got Mark Zuckerberg on a clock tower and he's got a Nerf rifle. Like, that would be a problem. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. During my high school years at the end of them and during my college years, there was times when I would go deliver pizzas. It was a quick job. It was an easy job. All you had to do was have a driver's license and a car. Whoa. And there's some drivers who were better than others at factoring in. Oh, by the way, I'm going to owe taxes at the end of the year. And I know who pays taxes on tips. Well, you're supposed to, right? Some people don't think about it. Some people do. Some people get audited. Some people don't. But also on top of that, and I'm talking about this because it turns into the gig economy, is the gig economy and driving for Uber and Lyft, you got to think of some extra costs. You know, if you're an Uber driver, you bring your own car to work. You pay that. You pay your own expenses. Um, but sometimes people don't subtract that out, and all they look at is how much of the money they made during that day. You know, the United States government gives you something like 45 cents a mile that you drive if you drive in the service of the government for wear and tear on your vehicle, gasoline, and other things. So even the most diligent of people, you know, it, you can calculate the depreciation of your car. That's rot, you know, from driving around all day. Um, and sometimes, like, the depreciation of toting around a, a guest in the back seat who happens to have been drinking a little bit too much and might throw up all over your car and not hit just one seat, but hit all four seats and the roof and the floor. And somehow it gets in the transmission. So, um, and you're seeing this Amazon flex drivers, a category of Amazon workers that takes home far less than the company's promised $15 base pay for all workers. After accounting for expenses, the vast majority of people, um, they don't think about their costs when they're driving around hustling for Amazon. And when you look at the cost, you sometimes are making less than minimum wage. And sometimes you're making it's it's it becomes a problem. And you're also starting to see Uber drivers and Lyft drivers and everyone else. They're giving these massive rewards out for people who stay longer, you know, with the company. So you kind of see that there's going to be a challenge, right? I want to get into some more financial statements that you should pass on to your children. Your employer stock is the riskiest stock you could own. Because right now they're already paying for your health care or part of it. Um, your 401k is with the company. Your car payment is with the company. I know you're saying, wait, wait, my radio station doesn't pay for my car payment. They kind of do because your your paycheck does, right? So know that you're, you're, wait, don't fall in love with your company. 
I know people who went all in on companies they fell in love with, and you're supposed to fall in love with a member, uh, another, I was going to say a member of the opposite sex, but I forget, you know, let's try to be politically correct would not be politically correct. You fall in with someone that you're supposed to fall in love with. There you go. That's better. That's cleaned up. That's right. Um, I'm on, I'm switched on. I'm, I'm awesome. That's right. But you're not supposed to like say you're supposed to fall in love with a special person, but that's what you're supposed to fall in love with. Not with stocks. That's what I was trying to get at. So if you need money back in the next couple months, it's foolish to own stocks. But if you won't need cash for another 10, 20 years, it's foolish not to own stocks. That's right, Jack. That's like, That's right, Jack. if you need the money in a few months, it's a, you're a fool to own a stock. But if you, need, if you don't need money for 10, 20 years, you're a fool not to. If you invested just a couple of stocks, the odds suggest you will lag the stock market. I know. That's, that's counterintuitive to a lot of people. But you want to be the market. And then later on, if you want to take one risky bet... Put it aside and call it a risky bet. Don't call it your 401k. Don't call it your retirement. Don't call it anything like that. Say, this is my, my Vegas money. If you're asked for market forecast, your best cautious, your best um, feedback, you know, hey, Robert, do you think the market's going to go for the rest of the year? I'm cautiously optimistic. If you can learn to say that, you do very, very well because stock prices rise over time. So I'm cautiously optimistic right now that stocks will end the year higher. Because historically, over time, they have. I'm very cautious about anything I see or hear about on radio or television. It's not that I'm a a control freak and I want to do it all myself. It's that I'm a control freak and I want to do it all myself. Yes, yes. So when you see someone on TV, like there's a guy named Ross Gerber, and he's with Gerber Kawasaki. And he talks up, whoa, my goodness, does he talk up Apple. Like, you think I'm an Apple shill. He's an Apple shill times 10. So when he talks about Apple, I'm like, oh, God, enough already. Disgusting. I know you like it. Because he doesn't talk about anything else he owns. I can't really see his depth of knowledge. Is he one inch deep and six miles wide? Or does he only, you know, know a little bit about everything? Or does he know a lot about everything? Or does he know a little bit about a lot or a lot about a little bit? So, and all I can tell right now is that he likes Apple. And when he gives reasons, it sounds kind of like, well, you know, because you've got big dreamy eyes. And you're like, no, Apple doesn't have big dreamy eyes. So he, he's enamored with a stock, in my opinion, more so than knowledgeable. Um, so I'm very cautious about anything I hear on TV. So that's one of my, my mantras. That's one of my, my sayings. If you hear a stock touted on television or read about its healthy earnings in a newspaper or, uh, um, a newsletter, it's already probably priced in the stock. You know, everyone comes out and looks at like someone like an Apple. Again, I'm not picking on Apple. I own shares of Apple. But you look at an Apple and you go, oh my gosh, look at how great their, their phones are. And, you know, the stock has done so well. That's why we have to say legally, past performance is not indicative of future results. Sold to broker advisor for taking action on any stocks mentioned. If I'm talking about it, the whole world knows about it, unless I've got some sort of insider information. And then I go to jail. And guys like me don't do well in jail. Someone would say, you want to wrestle? I'm like, thumb wrestle? Heck yeah. I was champion of my thumb wrestling high school football team. Well, okay, I made up the football part, but I was the champion of the high school thumb wrestling team. And in jail, that just would not go well. Because you'd be in jail. They would find reasons to, to come visit me and... How shall we say ruin me? 
Long run inflation is far greater threat than short term market gyrations. So in the month of October, we saw the market go down, 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 down. And there were some days where it went down and up, down and up, down and up, down and up. And the thing I'm worried about is when I hear wage inflation's up 4%, too much. When I hear cost of living's up 4%, too much. When I hear, you know, consumer costs up 4%, too much. You want inflation somewhere between 2 and 4%. 4%'s hot. 3%'s good. And it's like coming in hot on an aircraft carrier. You don't want to come in hot on an aircraft carrier. It ends badly. I've seen the movie. I don't know, the hunt for Red October or something like that. Speaking of Red Octobers, huh? 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 How was that for tying it all together? I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Always have seminars coming up. I got one coming up next month, or actually later this month. And you can sign up for it at Rob Black Show, Rob Black Show. Use code Radio25. It's Radio25 at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Swack! That's the sound of a baseball bat hitting cable TV business. I like to talk about big trends because there's big money and big trends. There was a big trend in the 1990s called the grain of America, where your mom and dad were probably getting older, closer to retirement. Okay, okay, I'll just give you another example. Holy mackerel. The grain of America. I was recently watching um, The History of Horror by Eli Roth, who was a horror director who did one of those cabin movies, curses, kind of young teenagers all die kind of thing. And uh, there was the girl from Nightmare on Elm Street. And she was talking about, you know, yeah, a lot of people back in the 80s and 90s, they thought these were anti-women movies because the killer was always going after these young, beautiful women. But it was always the women who survived. So it really wasn't that the killer was stronger than them. It was they were stronger and smarter than the killer. And she's like a grandmother. And I'm like, I remember you when you were like this cute teenage, young, skinny and like, Oh, and like Jamie Lee Curtis, like you've seen her in the new Halloween film. It's like we're aging, right? You're darn tootin'. So there was a, a trend in the 90s called the grain of America, where people that we knew were getting older and suddenly they're throwing footballs through soccer tires and, you know, the age issues that come. The grain of America. As we get older, we need to fabricate more pharmaceuticals to ingest. And Pfizer was right there and Merck was right there. And these were great ideas. And for what they did to the, the stock market performance from the previous 20 years, you, you then saw tech stocks do it, too. And that was the, the trend of, you know, Web 1.0. And we didn't know it was Web 1.0 at the time. We were, you know, basically the call to the dot-com thing, right? And now there's Web 2.0, social media. And then there's a Web 3.0, Internet of Things, B2B. Um, things along those lines are, are continuing to happen. But cord cutting in 2014 is probably about the year where we stopped looking at Netflix is like, oh, they'll send you DVDs and oh, you can now stream movies. And Amazon Prime started doing the same thing. And like 2014 was a good year because it was the year where we started looking at companies like Netflix and Amazon going, you know, I, I think there's something here that's going to be sticky. And then companies like HBO and CBS started to think about their own streaming services. But it wasn't until Sling first bundle of live TV channels that would launch in 2015 that we started thinking about real cord cutting. 
Um, I've cut the cord half the cord. I still have the cable cord in the front of the house. In the back of the house, it's gone. It's all wireless streaming. Um, so I need to cut the rest of the cord. And that's going to happen. It's going to be a trend. And there's going to be winners and there's going to be losers. And so far, you know, I, I see Comcast surviving because, A, some of these skinny bundles that you can get are becoming kind of bloated bundles. And you have to pay a little bit more for some things that you really didn't want. And you're back to where you were with cable and overpaying for a bundle. But the golden age of the bundle is on the decline. So for ESPN to have nine ESPN channels and CBS Sports to have five CBS Sports channels and Fox to have four Fox Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2, Fox Sports 3, Fox Sports Soccer, Fox Sports University, we don't need any more bundling. We don't need any more bundling. We're we're like Netflix and Amazon. They're mature enough. HBO's there. We can get a Hulu. We can kind of bundle together what we need to bundle together. But it's a golden age. And it goes back to 2014, 2015, where we started looking at some of these things. And we we're like, oh, an Amazon stick. I could put this into my TV or the Google Chromecast. I could put this little dongle on my TV and stream it from my phone. And hey, I could put my ugly kid running around on Halloween in a fireman's costume on TV. And I don't, woo! I don't even know what that means, but I love it. I do love it. So, um yeah, then we started seeing YouTube, and YouTube kind of went from a random set of videos. So there's a lot of professional videos on YouTube at this point in time. And you can watch, you want to watch something disgusting. Okay, so here's something disgusting. People send me disgusting things to watch on YouTube. This guy goes into a grocery store and buys two pork tenderloins, just pork chops, grabs a can of Coca-Cola. And this is just like, I'm not going to say a, a store like, I'm not going to say things like Safeways or Luckies. I'm not going to disparage any grocery store, but it was a company like that, right? Walks in, grabs two pieces of pork, package of pork. You might do this tonight. Grab a can of Coca-Cola, has a camera, pours the Coca-Cola onto the pork. Guess what happens? You start seeing two parasites crawl out of the pork. Ah! Like, I may never eat packaged pork ever, never again. And to to, to who do I have to say thank you to? That would be YouTube. Thank you, YouTube, for giving me nightmares. Who needs the Nightmare Channel at nine ninety nine a month when you got YouTube that's free? So there's a lot going on with with cable cutting, and we we need to acknowledge that and say there's there's something that we can make some money on. At the shopping mall, at the shopping center, at Amazon, wherever it is that you go, price may actually mean something on quality, but it has no bearing on Wall Street. Paying a lot in investment costs is usually a prescription for mediocre returns. So you have to be careful on how much you're paying on your for your ETFs. And the funny part about it is ETFs kind of replace mutual funds. So a few years ago, I would have said, you got to be careful what you're paying for your actively managed mutual funds. It could be up to 5.75% with the American funds. I hate the American funds because there's this, there's this old school of doing business where it's okay to hit the consumer with a lot of fees and commissions. So fees and commissions are a killer of performance, a killer of performance over the long haul, a mediocre stock fund will outperform a brilliant bond or money fund. So money markets are going to get you 1% right now, maybe. So if you want to keep your cash and money, your money in cash, and you go, I got my mind on my money, on my money, on my cash, or I got my cash on my mind. You know what I'm trying to say? Going with the cash ain't going to beat bonds and bonds ain't going to beat stocks over time. It just won't happen. And real estate is typically tied towards wage inflation over time. 
And there's some periods of time where we get speculative. It's just like the same thing on stock market. There's some points of time where we get speculative and all stocks go higher. Sometimes where we get speculative and we reward pets.com because they have a Super Bowl commercial. They have a Super Bowl commercial. We go, they must be worth 50% more because they have that kind of money to burn. Shorter term bonds will give you the most of the yield of a longer term bond, but with only a fraction of the volatility. Okay. I haven't had a percussion recently. You know, percussions when you hit your head and you get kind of dizzy and can't remember things quite right. I haven't had a percussion recently. I haven't had like any sort of brain trauma, no swelling, no, you know, uh, growths on my brain or anything like that. I haven't had a tapeworm pulled out of my brain. But I will say this, until it happens, until one of those things happens, I will not buy a long-term bond. I don't even like buying bonds. I'm too young for bonds. It's so funny because I'll see a guy at a beach and I'll go, my God, that guy's huge. And my loved one's like, you're about that size. <laughs> like, that's not very nice. I'm like, that comedian who takes off his shirt, it's so funny looking at his belly. Well, yours kind of looks terrible. like that. So... Thank you, Charles Barkley. That's terrible. Man, Charles Barkley got burned the other day on TV, and they put it on YouTube. Uh, they were asking him bas- current basketball players and what teams they played on. And this was like a pretty famous list, and he couldn't come up with where they were playing. And he's the guy in studio talking about, oh, Paul Pierce looks awful. He's playing for Boston. He should be playing for Boston. That's terrible. So and he couldn't come up with a list of, well, anyway. So I'm not a long-term bond kind of guy. I'm not even a short-term bond kind of guy, to tell you the truth, but I shouldn't say that because it's irresponsible. It's like saying, you know, driving with three beers in your system's okay, but four, not so cool. I should like shorter-term bonds. I should, but I don't. When picking amongst bond and money market funds, your key criticism should uh, be cost. If you stick with no-load funds with low annual expenses, you'll almost always do better in comparable funds than with higher costs. So if you find a a mutual fund or a bond fund or a cash fund that gets like the best returns ever, but have the highest costs, go with the lower costs and lower returns. It'll pay off for you in the long run and the returns will come back to the medium. For every dollar you pay in mortgage interest, you might save 28 cents in taxes, assuming you're in the 28% federal income tax bracket. In other words, paying a dollar of mortgage interest will leave you 72 cents poorer. The same brutal math applies to vaunted tax deductions, which you need to be really careful for. So charitable gifts or paying state local property taxes, you got to watch out when you're paying off debt and what type of debt to pay off first and the tax deductibility versus the non-tax deductibility. So I've got some credit card debt, you know, I don't have credit card debt, but if I have credit card debt versus mortgage debt, my credit card debt's the first one to go. In general conversation. There's good debt, there's bad debt. Anything that's tax-deductible student debt or mortgage debt, if it is, it's way better than credit card debt, which isn't. I'm Rob Black talking everything I can possible financially. I always have seminars coming up, like I have one coming up this month and next month. You can sign up for them at Rob Black Show. Rob Black Show. They go from San Jose to San Mateo, sometimes East Bay, sometimes North Bay. You get the idea. You can sign up at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com and use code radio25. Sign up for the newsletter as well. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Sometimes you have to be counterintuitive. 
You see a headline that looks beautiful. U.S. adds 250,000 jobs. You start thinking, the happy days are here again. Like, we're adding jobs. That's good. I like a beef pot pie or a chicken pot pie. Now that I have a job, I can afford it. Wasn't food better when you were a kid? Like when you eat one of those Swanson's or Hormel chicken pot pies, you're like, man, this is good. It's frozen. It's totally good in microwave. It's totally good. Ooh, it burned my tongue. It's totally good. And you eat it today, and it's like, it's cardboard. It's cardboard with some juice on it. And you don't know what that juice is, right? But you see a headline, U.S. adds 250,000 jobs, and that's good news, right? Wage growth hits a nine-year high, and that's good news, right? Wrong. And it's it's almost like you're going to put your hand out, and you're going to feed the dog, and someone's going to chop your hand off with a cleaver. You're like, I was just trying to feed a dog. It's good news. Who doesn't love dogs? Who doesn't love puppies? Who doesn't love feeding? Who doesn't love good things? But the odds that the Fed were going to raise interest rates, they started to weaken recently for the December meeting because we're looking at the world markets. And then Trump says, oh, by the way, I'm going to talk to China soon. And I've, I've, I've put someone on tasks to draft an economic plan, a trade, a trade plan with China. Like, wait, 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 wait. Last week ago, you were like, we'll crush you darn Chinese. And you took your shoe off. And you start throwing nuclear bomb talk around and stuff like that. Okay, so I just made that part up. But he could have. So we get a little bit of positive news about Trump talking with China about potentially putting together a trade draft agreement. And you see the you know the U.S. adding 250,000 jobs and wage growth hits a nine-year high. And the Federal Reserve's like, ha, 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 we got exactly what you need to slow down. We're going to raise interest rates. And some people wish the Federal Reserve would be a little more gradual versus a little bit more intent. Now, they're, they're saying they're looking at the data, and the data is, you know, Trump putting together a plan, wage growth, the highest in nine years, uh, 250,000 jobs. That's good news, but it's going to also slow down the economy because that's the way our economy works. We don't want it, when the pendulum starts swinging towards growth, and it's swinging towards growth right now, jobs and wages, we, we go, oh, we must stop the pendulum. The pendulum would eventually stop itself. But the Federal Reserve does kind of uh, mechanical and financial engineering of their own. So they stop it before us. If we get to a point where we're paying people 6%, 7%, and they're coming out of UCLA, and this is my typical impression of someone coming out of UCLA, they could use their diploma for, like, handicap parking. Oh, oh, too soon, right? So, but if we're paying that UCLA graduate 6% more than the UCLA graduate before, then the economy is going to overheat and it's going to create a situation where we can't continue to pay the bills as a corporation or someone's going to fail inside the system and then suddenly we have to fire a lot of people. So we're overheating right now when we see wage inflation hitting a nine-year high. Am I happy there's wage inflation? Yes, I'm happy there's wage inflation. I think the middle class in America is, ra- is rapidly disappearing. And I think it gets worse. I think the middle class in cities like San Francisco and San Jose are gone. And what's, what's left are people who inherited their mommy and daddy's place or people who bought 25, 30 years ago when they had a higher paying job or when there was more of a middle class. But now that middle class that they were then couldn't buy the house that they bought now. So it, it's a problem. So good news is bad news. And guess what bad news is? It's buying opportunity inside of capitalism. The cycle and the pendulum will eventually swing back. And you never know where in the pendulum swing you are. It's like, it's like the mask of red death. 
Was that a Poe? That was Poe. Was that the one with the pendulum? Let's just say that it was the one with the pendulum. <laughs> and it goes back and forth. And you always want to try to guess when it's at its high or when it's going to cut the rope. And you're going to put your hand up for just a second. It's going to cut the rope and you're going to be free just like Batman. Okay, okay, in this day and age, could Batman be made on television again? Super rich guy who adopts a kid? A boy? Okay, wait, wait, how about we do this? How we get Snoop Dogg to star in a Batman remake? Where Snoop Dogg is a super rich 60-year-old extravagant billionaire who adopts a Caucasian 20-year-old young man. It's never going to happen in this society again. Are you crazy? Even Batman is is curiously odd that we look at and go, I don't know if that's appropriate. I remember a couple years ago, people got upset at Sesame Street for Ernie and Bert living in the same apartment together. We live in tough, tough, tough times to figure out what's right and what's wrong. President Trump, according to Bloomberg Services, when you hear things like that, President Trump, according to Bloomberg Services, what you should instantly know that there's some press release information. Like anytime you get a Yahoo and you punch in like your stock that you're looking at, um, it can be any stock at Yahoo and you see the news underneath it of um, like Starbucks. Starbucks is a great one because 98% of the information Starbucks sends out is just press releases. Oh, guess what? We got elf coffee this year. I was made with make espresso. Made with real elves. It's elf espresso, and it's got 17% more elf blood in it this year than last year. You're like, elf blood? We love elf blood. We've got to have elf blood. Elf blood makes it, it's, it's like tiger balm. It's like, it makes your muscles feel good. So anytime you see a press release, you have to see it as a press release. If it says press wire or business wire or, or Reuters on it, it's a press release. It's, it's all about getting you to say, oh, I didn't know they made it with real elf blood. Now that I know that, I'm going there because I want the good organic stuff. So be careful in the risks that you see out there. Oh, that's all I got. I need a cigarette. I'm not black. You can send this tape off to the Smithsonian. It's going into the top 10 radio classics of all time. Have a good day. Have a good weekend. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I have seminars coming up. When I do, they're even better than the radio show by 17% more elf blood. Find out more at robblackshow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.